For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those two accounts, that's where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content, articles, podcasts, Twitter stuff. All of it goes out from one or the other. Now, specifically, I'm trying to post more on EthosFantasyBB in this offseason. My account... Still going to be some baseball stuff going out from there, and I'll reshare uh, all the things that go out on Ethos Fantasy BB. But specifically, that account is where all of our new baseball writers will be putting out their content, and that'll be happening throughout this offseason, heading into next year. Very exciting time at Sports Ethos. If you are somebody who wants to be producing content, maybe you want to host a podcast covering a team or some kind of fantasy-related podcast, I'm still looking for somebody to host some kind of dynasty podcast, prospect slash dynasty we got a lot of openings here, so if you think that you're interested in writing or podcasting or whatever, breaking into the fantasy slash sports world, please do send me a DM at JoeOrico99. But that's enough of that for right now. We are going to continue with third base today. Now, we went over our kind of elite tier yesterday, and obviously there are some guys in that tier who are better than others. We started with Jose Ramirez and Manny Machado, Bobby Witt, Austin Riley, Arenado, Rafael Devers, and Alex Bregman. Those are the guys that we went over yesterday. Now, Bregman, maybe some people wouldn't put him into that same exact grouping. I think that he fits closer to that grouping than he would to the next level grouping, uh, in my opinion, just based on you know his talent. Uh, he struggled a bit this year, but it was you know partially due to his low BABIP. I'm not really so worried about Bregman still returning value within that same general group. Those were our first, or our third baseman, excuse me, who returned top 100 value this season. So those are the guys we talked about yesterday. With the one exception, uh, we're going to talk about this guy today. I passed over him because I'm not going to be as big on him heading into next year. He's still worth talking about, obviously, but I don't think he was worth putting into that same group. We're going to talk about him in a second. Before I really get going, I want to just remind you guys one more time that this is not going to be a deep, deep dive into all the advanced stats. If you've been listening to these shows these last couple of weeks, then you already know that. This is our just our initial first look at how guys did this season based on where they were being drafted and generally what I expect for next year. I'm trying to just rhyme that off once every show here, just in case, you know, some people might be listening for the first time and they say, this guy's not using any advanced stats. There will be certainly a lot of time for advanced stats, but I don't think right now is our time to do that. There's still playoffs going on. No real, I mean, there are some real drafts going on on the NFBC, but mostly you guys are going to be drafting, you know, February, March, maybe even April of next year. So we're not going to be getting so much into the hard-hitting data. This is more just a general overview of how these guys did this season. Relax, enjoy, don't worry about taking notes, uh, nothing too serious we're going to get into today, just generally how these guys did. And we're going to start off today with Brandon Drury. 
Now, obviously, you were exceptionally happy if you added Brandon Drury early in the season or if you were able to draft him. Now, looking at his draft prices, it was 194 on Yahoo, and then honestly, it was very hard to find on the NFBC because he came in to the season with just outfield eligibility. Last year, he did not play a lot of the field. He was only eligible in the outfield. And he got traded midseason. So when I try and go back and find his stats uh, for ADP data, looking at third base, he wasn't eligible there last year. Uh, I look on, you know, where Cincinnati players are being drafted. He's not on Cincinnati anymore. So it's kind of hard. I'm not, you know, the most adept with the NFBC site. I've never played in the NFBC leagues. I know a lot of people do. So that's why I talk about it a bit here and there. But I couldn't find where Brandon Jury was being drafted on that site. So I'm going to have to assume it was somewhere generally in the ballpark of the Yahoo one, you know, around two to 300 kind of range, maybe even a little bit lower. Uh, he wasn't very impressive last season at all in his 51 games with the Mets, four homers, uh, 14 RBIs and a 274 average. It wasn't bad. I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say that he was, he was okay, but just 51 games, he wasn't really going to be on anybody's radar. Uh, at least not until this season got underway. I believe he had a home run on the first day of the season. I remember tweeting something out like, man, if you bet on Brandon jury to, uh, to hit a home run today, like, you know, you probably made a good few dollars. Turned out that that was kind of just the regular for him this year. 87 runs, 28 homers, 87 RBIs, two steals, and a 263 batting average. Brandon Jury was really excellent, and I know we were kind of worried when he got traded to San Diego that he wouldn't have so much fantasy value. It certainly fell a little bit uh, in Cincinnati in 92 games, 20 homers, 59 RBIs, and then 46 games with the Padres, 8 homers, 28 RBIs. The batting average fell 30-ish points once he was traded. He was on a better team, so you know you did have proportionally about the same uh, number of counting stats going on there with runs and RBIs. Uh, runs 25 runs in 46 games in, in, with the Padres, and then 62 runs in 92 games with Cincinnati. So uh, the counting stats weren't too crazy. The home runs dipped a little bit, and so did um, the batting average. So I think the season as a whole was obviously a massive success. For Brandon Jury, for his fantasy managers, massive success. Now, he was the 67th-ranked player this season. For me, I'm not taking a chance on drafting him there next year. I know that I've talked up the Padres, and I really like the Padres for fantasy. I think that their team is going to be really good. Maybe Brandon Jury comes back. Maybe he doesn't. He's a free agent after the season. I think maybe they'll try and bring him back after a, you know, a good deep playoff run here. I don't think he'll be too expensive. He's coming off of a year where he's made only $900,000. I would expect them to try and get him back. But honestly, like even though I expect them to be a very good team, especially you know very top-heavy with Machado and Tatis and Soto, I'm not sure that that's going to translate to another great year for Brandon Drury here. I feel like this was a very lucky season that kind of, you know, we'd never seen him perform anywhere like this. <clears throat> and then he all of a sudden hits 28 home runs, drives in 87. His previous highs in those categories, 16 home runs in 2016. He had 63 RBIs in 2017. Now, we've seen him put up pretty good batting averages in the past, but we've also seen him put up horrendous batting averages. We've seen him go 282, 267. Uh, this year, he was 263 as a whole. We've also seen him, you know, not in the largest of sample sizes. Typically, it's more shorter sample sizes, 20 games, 20 games, 10 games kind of thing. But he's also gone, you know, 170, 176, 154. I, I'm not really sure exactly how to project Brandon Jury for next year. I wouldn't have him as a top 100 player. I just think he's too volatile, especially, like we said, this is not something that we've ever seen him do before. So how can you really say with any degree of certainty that he's going to do it again next season? I know that there are more specific sciences that go into it than that. 
But when a guy does have kind of an off-the-radar great season like this, and, you know, just looking at his other advanced numbers, there's nothing really crazy going on that would suggest that he was that much – he should have been really that much better this season than any other year. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not really confident that we can see Brandon Jury do this, do this even one more time, like 30 homers, 90 RBIs, 90 runs essentially – it's just not very realistic. Now, we said yesterday that sometimes you will see a guy, and most years you see a guy come from like post-200 kind of ADP and end up having a lot of value. Now, you know, will there be a guy like Brandon Drury again next year? For sure. I think that that's pretty fairly likely that there will be somebody who pops up from way down and ends up having a top 100, top 75 kind of season. But I wouldn't be chasing last year's top 100, top 75 season in the hopes that he can do it again. I think we're going to, throughout the preseason, throughout the winter months, try and find next year's Drury as opposed to chasing uh, last year's Drury. I like him fine. The eligibility should be pretty nice, and I just want to take a look here and see uh, what he's going to retain because his eligibility was completely changed uh, from heading into this season into what it is now. So if we go to his appearances uh, throughout the season, so there was 30 appearances at first, so that's safe. 27 at second, that's safe. 67 at third. And then he played once in the outfield. So he's going to have first, second, and third. Uh, he will not retain that eligibility in the outfield. So not the biggest of deals right now. One, two, three, and outfield on Yahoo next year. Just first, second, and third, which is nice, which is nice, sure. And maybe, you know, you get past, I don't know. I think, honestly, probably, he'll probably go higher than this, but I wouldn't want to take him any higher than, like, 150. If he gets to that range, then maybe you start talking. But for me, I I'm not a huge brain injury guy. I liked him this year. I had him on one team. He was good, but I'm not. I'm not expecting him to do it again next season. Let's move on to Eugenio Suarez. He is somebody who I think is a little bit more interesting. Now Suarez this season, 76 runs, 31 homers, 87 RBIs. It was very similar to what he did the year prior. Exact same number of home runs, five more runs, and eight more RBIs. Now you would have expected leaving Great American Ballpark. It might have hurt him a little bit offensively. But he went into a bit of a better lineup in Seattle, so it did offset. The big thing, the big difference this year and last year with Eugenio Suarez is last season he batted 198. He moved that up 38 points this year. He batted 236. That's obviously fantastic. He was drafted 197 on Yahoo, 200 on the NFBC, and he finished off as the 111th ranked player. I really like the Mariners. I really like what they are looking like they're going to be going forward. I don't think that they'll be discouraged by, you know, losing the playoffs this season. They won a series. They beat my Blue Jays. Good for them. I think that they'll just keep adding on pieces and just making that team better and better. Now, there were some reports about Jesse Winker, about how he's not happy there, or how they were not happy with him, I guess I should say. Uh, he was lazy or something. He was just showing up to games without going through training. And, you know, they, they were very unhappy with him. I don't think he was on playoff rosters or if they – he wasn't announced at games or something. There was there was some weird stuff going on behind the scenes uh, with Winker and the Mariners. So he's likely to be gone. You have to assume they'll replace him with somebody just as good. Winker had a disappointing year. I think it should have been probably a bit better. But Winker was disappointing. Replace him with somebody maybe a little more prolific in that lineup. I'm liking what uh, we can probably expect from Eugenio. Eugenio, Jesus, that's kind of a tough name. Uh, Eugenio Suarez going forward here. Probably you can expect 30 home runs, 85 RBIs again. The batting average, a little more volatile. We have seen him in the past. The crazy thing with him is he's batted 280 multiple times, 270. And then in, two, in 2020, it just all fell, fell apart. He batted 202 and then 198. Now, 236, we're, we're making our way back. That's totally cool. If you can get that up a little bit more, 
that would be great, obviously, but I think we'll take what he gave us this year. 236 with 31 homers, 87 RBIs. I think that we'll be pretty happy with that. Now, next season, probably going to be drafted right around this range, I would say. 110, 120. Maybe he falls down a little bit. And let me just check on his eligibility this season. I don't think he played much shortstop. Um, He didn't play any shortstop. There were zero games he played at short. So he'll lose that eligibility. He'll just be third base next season, which is not the biggest of deals. Shortstop is pretty crowded. It's not that hard to find yourself a shortstop either in drafts or or on the waiver wire. It's not that difficult. So third base is really the the primo position between the two of them there. If he's going to have one or the other, you'd much rather have him have third. And I think, you know, all factors considered, team, player, and everything, uh, I'm really liking Eugenio Suarez probably in the ninth, tenth kind of round next season. I think if you're talking 12-teamers, somewhere in the, I think anywhere between 100 and 130, maybe like 110, 120 is is the sweet spot there. Uh, But I'm going to be pretty happy about drafting him next year. There's no worries like I have uh, with Brandon Drury. Maybe the batting average falls down again, which would not be good. Uh, but, you know, I think that something changed leaving Cincinnati, you know, fresh start. He had a you know similar season counting stat-wise, but moving the batting average 40 points, maybe it doesn't move another 40 points up, but I think that he can maintain a similar kind of range there. Let's move on to Alec Bohm. He was one of my favorite players to roster this season. He wasn't somebody who was, you know, I've said this, this is my phrase here. He doesn't give you sexy stats, really, for the year. He wasn't somebody who was going to be, you know, lighting up the radar for a lot of people. He was very good, but he ended up with 13 home runs and two stolen bases. He did his damage with 79 runs, 72 RBIs, and he batted 280. And it was actually like close to 300 there for a good while. Uh, and, you know, something with fantasy that we don't really factor in a lot is like it's very hard to calculate the differences between head-to-head production and roto production. Like you could have three weeks where, and there was a good couple weeks there where Alec Bohm was just on fire. That right there can really sway you more in a head-to-head league, I think, than a roto league. Because let's say you're really down in your head-to-head league. And it's honestly hard to say which one, but I think I would say it, it has more of an impact in head-to-head. There was a couple weeks there where I had Bowman head-to-head week, uh, head-to-head leagues, and he, I mean, no one can single-handedly really win you stuff in baseball, but he was doing, like, serious numbers there for a couple weeks, and he really helped me come back in one of my leagues, like, you know, especially those leagues where they count individual categories. Some leagues, you know, you win 6-4 to four and you just get one win. Some leagues you win six to four, and then you get six wins and four losses. It's, there's a lot of different kinds of different fantasy uh, formats. But if you're in one of those leagues where they count every single category, specifically for me, there was like a two or three week stretch there. I think it was three weeks where I went like 25 and five. And part of it, a large part of it, was because Bohm was really contributing there, helped me make the playoffs in that league. So do you see that in Roto? It still helps you in Roto, but I don't know if it's as significant. That kind of, anyway, just a random thought there. I wonder if there is a real way to determine like exact value in each format. Maybe there is some way. If you guys know of a way, uh, let me know. Just determine like week by week. I guess that would be like season averages. But season averages I find for baseball to be very kind of deceptive. Anyway, let's get back to Alec Bohm here. That's the one tangent we're going to do today. I promise we'll keep it at just that one. So, Bohm. I think next year we're probably going to see him go quite a bit higher. Obviously, he was 251st on Yahoo, 352 on the NFBC, and then he finished 128. So I think you're probably going to see him go in that top 150 range. Uh, I like the Phillies next season. I'm a little bit lower on Bryce Harper probably than most people, and I know he keeps hitting home runs, making me look foolish, but I'm a little worried about his general fantasy game. I think if he's in the lineup and healthy, he'll still be fine. But I'm worried a little bit about the health, a bit about the steals, which if Bryce Harper's stealing bases or not, it doesn't really affect Alec Bohm too much. 
I think we'll see Castellanos probably, you know, figure it out a little bit more next season. Uh, Schwarber is going to be there. Harper, hopefully, is going to be healthy. I think that Bohm slotting in the middle of that lineup, you know, is the anywhere from batting third to fifth kind of range. Maybe I know he batted second a couple times as well. I don't see much problem in him having value. I think he'll be kind of an underrated guy going into drafts next season. Could see him steal some more bases, I think, than two. I think he's capable of probably giving you five to ten range. Maybe seven is, is about what you can expect. 13 home runs, I think that can push up as well. I think we can see 15 to 20 from him. And then the counting stats will remain, you know, 79 runs, 72 ribbies this year. I think he can go 80-80 and then bat roughly 280 again. Uh, maybe he falls off a little bit in the batting average department. Very, very tricky to project that one exactly, but I think we could probably say he's going to be somewhere like 270, 280 roughly. I think that's kind of fair. I like him a lot. I think heading into next season, he's going to be pretty damn valuable. I'm not going to be, you know, reaching up too high for him, I don't think. But I think that there are going to be some leagues where I take a chance on him, probably in that one, I think pretty close to where he finished here, 128 where he finished. I think that that's totally cool. He'll still have first base and third base eligibility next year. It was 10 games at first, 135 uh, at third. I like him. I, I, there's not really too much hard-hitting stuff I can give you right now about Alec Bohm. I, I really like him going into next season. If he's in that same kind of general range as Suarez, um, I would. I think I would probably take Bohm just because he's you know more likely to give you a couple of steals and a higher batting average. Well, you know, it's going to be some fall off with the home runs, but the counting stats will be kind of the same. I think I'm going to take Bohm slightly ahead of Suarez next year, but both generally in the same kind of grouping. Let's move on now and talk about Josh Rojas, who's given us two consecutive years of really excellent fantasy value. Last season, it was 69 runs, 11 homers, 44 ribbies, 9 steals, and a 264 batting average. Then he improved his game this year fantasy-wise. Granted, he had two less home runs and he had three less runs, but 12 more RBIs, 14 more steals, and his batting average raised five points. Now, this season, he was being drafted 249th on Yahoo, which... At Yahoo, at that point, you're looking like the last round or two in most drafts, if you're talking like a 12-teamer, and then 273 on the NFBC for Josh Rojas. I think, honestly, uh, I, this season I was I was saved by rostering Diamondback players. Varsho and Walker, and then, I mean, Corbin Carroll I had higher hopes for down the stretch. He was still okay in a daily changes kind of setting. He was sitting against lefties. You stick him in against righties kind of thing. But rostering Diamondbacks as a whole was really beneficial. I didn't have any Jake McCarthy, Rojas. I don't think I had any Rojas this year. No, I didn't. I had him last year. There was a lot of guys who had a lot of fantasy relevance in that lineup. And Rojas does it by giving you, I mean, the same positional eligibility that he had last year. He's not going to have it. He's going to lose shortstop and outfield, which kind of sucks, but he'll still have second and third, those two positions that are really hard to come by. I think that he's going to be a really, really interesting draft pick. He was the 137th ranked player this year. He's probably somebody you can get past pick 150 next season. I don't think that people are going to be reaching up their draft boards to pick Josh Rojas. Again, not the sexiest player. Maybe he'll get on some people's radars because 23 steals this year. That's obviously excellent, stealing 23 bases, uh, You know, especially when your previous high was nine. I would expect some people to take note, but I think you could probably still get him around 150, maybe even a touch later. And I'd be totally for that, given the eligibility, given the skill set, given the lineup. Uh, Josh Rojas, for me, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorite fantasy players, but he's one of my favorite, like, you know, perennially available waiver wire guys who can really, really help you out. Like a Colton Wong. I put him in that same kind of grouping as Colton Wong, a guy who's usually kind of available, 
He can pick him up, and he's maybe not going to be you know week to week so great, but over the course of the year, he's going to produce he's going to produce the value that you picked him up or drafted him to give you. So Josh Rojas, yes, absolutely, I, I'm a big fan of him. Matt Chapman is our next guy we're going to talk about here. He went 132nd on Yahoo and 173 on the NFBC. His final season ranking was 139, so right in line there, pretty much with the Yahoo ranking. I was. I was happy enough with Matt Chapman this season. I mean, defensively, he was really good, despite the metrics not really saying that. There's, I don't know, watched a lot of Blue Jays games. I saw Matt Chapman make a lot of plays, and you've seen the, some of the defensive metrics. I don't know why they went down so much. Maybe he was just that much better in Oakland. I didn't watch him nearly as much in Oakland, but the dude was really excellent from that standpoint. From the offensive standpoint, I mean, 139th ranked player, that's very good. 83 runs, uh, 27 homers, 76 ribbies, two steals, and a 229 batting average. Very similar to what he did last year. Exact same number of homers, eight more runs, four more ribbies, uh, one fewer steal. And then his batting average did go up 19 points. That's obviously nice for Matt Chapman. Now, he's going to be in this Blue Jay lineup that I have, I mean, always big expectations for being a Toronto guy. I think next season... I mean, hell, I don't even want to predict with the Blue Jays. Next year's the year. I know I, I can't even say that because <clears throat> that was kind of the narrative going into this year. But I think that they will, you know, see that they need to do something. Uh, this is not working these last couple of seasons. I mean, in 2020, they lost in the wild card embarrassingly. Last year, missed the playoffs by one game. This year, embarrassing sweep at home. I think they need to do something. And I think that will come in the some shape of a boost to that lineup. Somebody will probably have to leave, but I think they'll bring in a serious slugger, left-handed slugger. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Uh, somebody who can really supplement that those offensive pieces in that lineup, and that would just help out Chapman a little bit more here. Now, I wish that the Jays would figure out their lineup a little bit better. I'm not crazy about where Chapman was a lot of the year, like in that six, between five and seven kind of range. There was a couple of games, I think, where he was third or fourth, but for the most part, Chapman was in like six or seven hole realistically for value, I'd like to have him pushed up closer to fifth most of the time. I don't know if that's going to happen so regularly, but that would be ideal for me. In terms of next year, I'm not like massively big on him. I think that he's going to be a good player who can provide you something similar to this, 20, 25, 30 home runs, uh, 80 runs scored, 70 RBIs. I think that that's generally what you're going to get out of him. I don't know. like The Jays, I think, should improve. I just don't know how much that's really going to you know, boost his stats. If he moves up to fifth in the order and he's hitting fifth consistently, maybe they bring in a bat or two. Maybe we could see him you know, drive in close to 100 runs. I don't think that that's impossible. He could score maybe 90 and hit 30 home runs. Like He can move up from this ranking a little bit. This isn't like you know peak Matt Chapman performance, I don't think. But I wouldn't be rushing to grab him ahead of roughly this kind of range again. What did I say, 132 and 173? Yeah, I think that that's probably anywhere in that range is going to be right for Matt Chapman. 150, I think, is probably where you're going to fall with it. Maybe you jump a little bit higher. If it's starting to get kind of slim with third baseman around that point in your draft and you think, shit, I got to get somebody now or I'm going to be stuck with, you know, Josh Donaldson at third base next year or something like that, uh, then I would be okay to grab Matt Chapman in that kind of range. I think anywhere from 130 to 170, it's very broad, sure. But probably 150 for me is where I'm going to be landing with Chapman most of the time. Let's talk about Justin Turner. Now, his draft picks on both of these sites we're talking about were pretty much exactly the same. 148 on Yahoo, 147 on the NFBC. And Justin Turner finished as the 158th ranked player for the season. So 
hard to say he's disappointing from that standpoint, although the numbers he gave you were not really what you were ex- uh, expecting, specifically in the run department and in the home run department. 61 runs and 13 homers. Last year was 87 runs and 27 homers. There is a decent chance that Justin Turner has, excuse the horrible pun, has turned the corner uh, at 37 years old here. Likely we don't see him get back to those upper 20s home run kind of numbers. I could be wrong about that. He still hit for a high batting average of 278, stole you three bases, but it wasn't the greatest year for him. He did miss 35 odd games, which has to be taken into account for sure. But I don't think at this age I'm going to be that interested in investing in him. He split his time uh, between third base and DH. Maybe it's more DH next season. He'll still have the eligibility. He played more than enough games there. It was 62 times, or sorry, 66 times at third and 62 times as a designated hitter. So he'll still have that eligibility, which is going to be key. We've talked about second and third base. Those positions are probably the hardest to come by. Catcher, yeah, as well. But catcher, people don't tend to draft catchers that high. You can get them in the middle rounds. Whereas second and third base, you might see a lot of these guys get eaten up kind of quickly. Uh, Justin Turner, I don't see him getting eaten up that quickly in drafts next season. I think he'll probably go close to pick 200, maybe a little bit higher, 175 kind of range. But you have to factor in another year of regression, most likely, or, you know, age, body, breaking down, whatever you want to call it. And it'll still be a great lineup, but I don't know that it's going to be worth really investing in him. Later in drafts, like I think honestly, the more I think about it, like if he's going before pick 200, I won't have a ton of confidence there. He's still a good fantasy player, but he's not a great fantasy player. And I think we can just expect it to get a tad worse next season as opposed to a tad better. So as a whole, Justin Turner, I'm not really in on. I think that he's still going to hold value, but I wouldn't be uh, jumping up into the top 150 to be drafting him. I don't think that that's wise. Let's talk about one more third baseman for today. Yandy Diaz. Now, he was being drafted 446th on the NFBC, and he did not have an ADP over on Yahoo. Yandy Diaz was not really expected that he was going to do a hell of a lot for you this season, but he ended up having really solid value. Again, not sexy value, nine homers, three steals, but a 296 batting average, 71 runs, 57 RBIs. You will take that. Uh, 171st ranked player for the season for Yandy Diaz. I had him, I, I was a, actually, I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, I streamed him in in a couple of leagues. He wasn't somebody who was on, it was 10-teamers, right? I streamed him in in a couple of 10-teamers, and he was on the roster for a good portion of my season. I think actually down the stretch he was too. It's the problem when you have so many fantasy teams and then the season ends. It's very hard to think back and remember who you had on which team. Maybe I'm going to cut down on how many teams I have next year. But anyway, Andy Diaz really had a, a lot of value this season. Uh, despite playing for a team without really true superstars and without giving you double-digit home runs or steals. He was still very valuable. That 296 batting average was a huge reason why. Now, he played 17 games at first and 102 games at third, so he'll still have those same designations for next season, first and third base. Where I would be drafting him, I don't think you have to reach very high for him, and I think you could still, like, I think around pick 200, and I would be more comfortable taking him than Justin Turner kind of thing. Like, I think they're going to go in that same range, and you get a guy who's younger in Diaz, who has a second position. I think that it makes a lot more sense to go that route, despite the fact of him playing for a weaker team, weaker lineup. And there's there's nobody really there who's like star powered in Tampa. I mean, Wander Franco, 
Not yet. Maybe he will get there. I don't think his game translates to the greatest fantasy game. I mean, Randy Rosarain is about the closest we got to like a star down there. Andy Diaz is just a very nice piece who ended up having good value, and a large portion of it was due to his good batting average. If he batted 225, 230, or whatever, even last year, like 250, wouldn't have been that interested in him. But, you know, 296, you will absolutely take that from him. I think about 200 is where he's going to probably go. I mean, 171st ranked, he'll probably, maybe he pushes up a little bit. I don't think he's going to go that high. And I think he's one of the guys who I'd really point to if you do want to just kind of fade uh, third base. You can just lean, uh, lean back a little bit, get rid of some other positions. And some people will go hard for second and third base because they are more scarce than the other positions. That's completely true. But there's also some value to be had down the board. So don't think you have to draft Jose Ramirez or Manny Machado or Jose Altuve in order to have one of those good position guys like Josh Rojas. I think that of all the guys we mentioned here today, he's probably going to be my favorite one heading into next season. Second and third designation, the steals. I mean, maybe the steals don't stick. They probably don't at 23, but just that baseline solid high floor across all five categories, and he's not going to be very highly drafted. So Josh Rojas is probably my biggest target from this group. Brandon Jury would be my biggest fade. I mean, maybe Justin Turner, but I don't think the price is going to be that bad on Turner where we have to be aggressively fading him. Where with Brandon Drury, I think that it's probably going to push up close to around 100-ish for some people. Maybe even he'll go inside the top 100. And at that price, like, there's no chance for me. Uh, Maybe he repeats what he did this year. I don't know how often it really happens where a guy who's 29 or 30 years old doubles his home run output and then maintains that for the rest of his career. I... I wouldn't be betting on it for sure, especially, you know, you're putting a lot of money down in a league. I don't know if Brandon Drury is going to be your best investment. That's going to pretty much do it for us today, guys. Still putting together these rankings. I put some of them out on Twitter because, you know, I felt bad that they have kind of taken longer than I wanted to. But you can go check out my Twitter or the Sports Ethos Discord uh, to see those rankings. The top 10 are on Twitter, top 25 on Discord. And then uh, I'm going to probably, I think it'll be sent in later today to our to Steve Vidovich, our editor. My apologies again. Uh, there was some busyness earlier in the week, and then Steve told me, like, I can't get to it anyway. Just take another day with him. So I've taken another day with him, tinkered around with him a little bit. Some guys are moving up one or two slots. Some guys are moving down one or two slots. And I think that that's kind of why I did this exercise to begin with, just to see where generally these guys will move from now. And then I'll probably update it in January, February, maybe around my birthday I'll update it in January. And then, uh, yeah, right before the season, we'll do like a final update. But it's it's partly for you guys. It's partly just for me to really be able to track where I'm on or where I'm at on these guys as of right now and where I expect to be middle of the offseason and heading into next year. Uh, I think that there's going to be some changes. There's going to be a lot of changes probably. I mean, the top 10 or 15, 20 might not change that much. But as you get down the rankings, uh, things will certainly change. I'll say this for sure. If Padres keep winning, if Padres go on to win the World Series, then Tatis is probably going to be moved up into my first round because he's only going to end up missing like a week at that point. And it's freaking Fernando Tatis Jr. Assuming that he's clean and healthy and all the rest of it, uh, he's going to be moving up pretty high. Anyway, and the funny thing is actually one more point uh, about the Padres. A couple weeks ago on the show, I said I didn't think this is their year. I think next year is when they're going to be you know, competing for the World Series. That's what I said. And now this year... Who knows? Uh, they, they did win yesterday. But they might have a chance to do it this year and beat the prophecy by one year. But anyway, guys, that will do it for me. We'll pick up third base one more time tomorrow. We'll go over some of the deeper, later-round sleeper kind of picks. 
And then I think on Friday I will go over those rankings with you on the show as opposed to starting shortstop or whatever position and then giving you the weekend off. We'll do that, and then we'll start fresh for another position on Monday. But, guys, until then, find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. And if you're into basketball, because the basketball season is really truly getting going in earnest tonight, go follow EthosFantasyBK for the best basketball blurb feed. I know I work for the company, but no bullshit. The absolute best feed you're going to have. Even if you're not into fantasy, you can just get that those updates, those uh, articles, those little blurbs for your, just your basketball knowledge as well. All constantly being updated, people constantly writing blurbs. So I'd really recommend checking that out. Check out sportsethos.com as well for all of our great content. But guys, enough rambling for me. I'll leave it there. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will see you tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.